0: Back
1: three, Bangle. All right, good evening, Grizzly Bear Blues and Grizzlies fans. I'm your host, Xavier Dodson, and welcome to the newest episode of the Core 4 Podcast for hardcore Grizzlies fans. I'm here with my co-hosts, David Buckler and Matt Gill. And boy, we'll, each of us had a busy weekend. We all attended sporting events. We're recording this on Monday, November 14th. I went to the Titans game last night. And um, that was a pretty boring game, to say at least. They played against the Broncos, 14-10. Matt went to Knoxville, checked out the Tennessee game. How did that go? It was
2: good, man. Always good whenever I can go back to Knoxville. Um, You know, I was was there for uh, the Florida game was the last one I went to. But, you know, it's always fun going back to your college town. I had a big weekend, so it was a good time. But, yeah, I mean, we had to move back recording a whole day because we were all different places going to different Tennessee stuff.
1: Yeah. And then Dave's unfortunately caught the Grizzlies last night against the, the Wizards. Dave, I know you weren't so happy about that. All the guys resting.
0: Well, that's the tricky thing about professional sports, because it, you know, it's a minor miracle for me to get six people together, the family together to get downtown. You got to buy the tickets you know, in advance. Right. And then you find out on Saturday that Jaw's not going to play and Desmond Bain's not going to play. And, you know, just kind of disappointing. And and it, it took a lot of the energy out of the crowd. So, you know, the Wizard fans want to see job ja play as well. It's their only only chance of the year. Right. And, and so that, that was disappointing. It, it's one thing if your team loses, but I thought the game was just pretty flat the whole way. Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot to
1: take away from that game, especially when you have two of your best performing players out. Um, but there is some hope um, going to our first segment about Jaron Jackson. He was out there actually around shoot arounds working out and the Grizzlies listed him doubtful in the uh, PR in that PR. And so is bringing speculation that Jaron might be playing within this week. So Dave, what can we look forward to seeing Jaron and what, Yeah, when will we look forward to seeing Jaren and what will he bring when he returns?
0: It's pretty interesting because we've been talking about this for a while. When his injury was reported, it was pretty concerning. In fact, the initial reports may be even stretching into the the late spring. So if he would come back here in uh, mid-November, even even early December, that would seem to me a little bit ahead of the time frame that I was expecting. And that would be pretty excited, but I want to just say that when he comes back, I hope this isn't like a stop-start kind of thing where he's coming back, but, you know, a week later, he's got to shut it down for a couple games. I hope they give him enough time so that when he comes back, he's fully ready to go for the remainder of the season, and I think we're going to need him. I think the West is going to be a dogfight.
1: Yeah, especially, I mean, every game isn't given to you. Even the, the teams that we thought that was terrible, such as the Jazz and the Spurs, they're going to play hard and be – could. could in contention every single single night so jaron uh coming soon i i see him i'm possibly being back as early as tomorrow oh. even friday hopefully but yeah matt so I, that leads me to the question if when jaron does come back do you see him starting right away or do we move santi straight to the bench does jaron come off the bench minute restrictions what, what do you feel matt
2: yeah, Dave said the stop and start thing. I think that that's definitely going to be the way they play this. I think he will start in whatever game that it, that you know he ends up coming back. Which I'm kind of looking at this Thunder game on Friday. I would love to see him back against the Pelicans. Him and, and Zion go head to head for a couple minutes. I definitely think he's going to be on a pitch count, play a, a, a restricted amount of time comparative to you know what you would expect from one of your best players on your entire roster but I think they're gonna slow play this thing very similar to what we've seen in other places with Kawhi Leonard who you know that's not necessarily working out great right now but Jamal Murray in Denver is doing the same thing he played a couple games to start took a night off I don't see any problem with that I think the the smarter thing to do is to bring him back slow you know, and, 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 you know, it's hard to balance whether you want to just keep resting him all together. But I mean, this is a guy with a long injury history and his, you know, in his career, he's played 58 games, 57 games, 11 games. And then last year was his healthiest at 78. And even if he does come back against the Pelicans uh, on Tuesday night, he's only going to at most play 68 games. That's all that's left. Um, you know, which is a long season, but again, that's not necessarily what you want out of one of your best guys, You want him to be able to be available every single night when he is, you know, a top two, three guy, whatever you want to rank him on this roster. So I think that it is the right move to kind of slow play it, bring him along slowly, maybe 12 to 15 minutes. Maybe, uh, you know, you play him the first seven minutes, you start him, you play him the first seven minutes, and then he doesn't come back till the second half. I could absolutely see him doing that.
1: Yeah, I see the Grizzlies should be cautious of their approach bringing Jaren back, but I'm really – Confident, and and I think that the Grizzlies front office know exactly what to do. But I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table because, of course, he's our best defender. Um, here he was in deep uh category last year, and when you bring him back, our defense hasn't. I feel like it's improved within the past two weeks. Definitely. But when we bring him back, it's going to just be. I feel like we can be our, our elite def- defensive team that we were last year, especially during the playoffs. But as well. I think when he does come back, I think our offense might take the scale back because Jaron, although he wasn't the our leading scorer, was he, I think last year he was our third leading scorer. It's going to take a minute to him for him to adjust because the uh, emergence of Desmond Bain being that second scorer now, I think that the Grizzlies are going to have to find a way to to ma- maneuver Jaron's offensive game back to. Uh, how, like, is he going to have to take a scale back? Uh, should he still be that guy? Should he still shoot a bunch of shots? What, what do you think, Dave? Do you think Jaron's offensive production will take a scale back since Bain's emergence has has shown in, incre- increasingly this year?
0: Well, it's going to be on the coaching staff to make sure that they incorporate all these unique talents that they have. And I, I think that it's exciting to get Jaron back. But I don't know that it really addresses what I still think is a big problem with this team. And it's when Steven Adams struggles or gets in foul trouble, I think we're very thin up front, And I don't want Jaron down low, banging on the boards. I mean, we, we like Jaron's versatility, even at the three point line. He's a wonderful shot blocker, but I don't want him you know, locking up for 40 minutes down low, banging, banging, banging. Uh, and I think if he has to focus so much of his attention on the defensive side, it is gonna hurt the offense. And I think we eventually to get to the NBA finals and win it need Jaron unlocked offensively. So I think they're going to have to find some way to give him some help defensively. So he can still be an offensive presence. And then to your point, Xavier, he's going to have to integrate with what the other talented players can do.
1: Yeah. I especially, like I said, Desmond Bain looked like he's an all-star this year. And last year, Jaron felt like he was snubbed being an all-star. So, It's it's going to be a different look for Jaron. You got any comments, uh, Matt?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, this is also a guy who we've all, any Grizzly fan, anybody who pays attention to this team, has always kind of knocked Jaron for not being the most aggressive dude on the rebounding side and on the offensive side. In my opinion, he can um, make himself more assertive at times. And so I think that no matter what, when he comes back, it's going to be interesting to watch how much faith he has in that repaired foot um, and we'll we'll see that very on if he feels comfortable if he if he feels um ready to be out there by himself anyways he has to have the belief that that foot's going to hold up and be able to support him throughout the season but i actually disagree with you guys i think the defense is going to take longer for him to get integrated to than people might realize i think everybody just expects him to step on the floor and be another defensive player of the year candidate but in my opinion defense is such um so much more of a feel thing in the nBA you have to know what you're teammates are doing. And and most of these guys that he's going to be playing with in the starting lineup, he's played with for years. So maybe he has a leg up in that department, but I think it is going to take him some time. And I think that that's another good reason to bring him back slower is to not have him out there for 28, 30 minutes when he's not fully ready and isn't, you know, completely comfortable with how they are defending other teams this season. So I think it's going to take a little bit more time. And I think that that's another positive too, for why they should bring him back sooner rather than later I don't want him to still be trying to get integrated when it comes playoff time. It needs to be ready to go on the floor right then and there. When we get to playoff time, he has to be comfortable out there with those guys.
0: Let me ask you quick, you know, there's a long history of big men who have problems with their feet and it's, it's difficult. These are tough, tough injuries to recover from Matt. When you talk about Jaron, Feeling comfortable and feeling confidence. I sort of feel that that's going to take longer on the defensive side when you're reading and reacting more trusting your body trusting exploding off the floor, to try to block shots. Is that fair, you know that offensively he might feel a more comfortable and defensively it might take time to trust his injury.
2: Could be because it's just a simple question of you know where you're going on the offensive right. end and on the defensive end you're reacting to what the other guy's doing. So, yeah, you don't know what kind of you know, moves you're going to have to make, getting side to side, moving laterally like that, putting pressure on it in different ways that he may not have done in the last couple of months recovering from this injury. So that very well could be the case. But as you said, the, the history of foot injuries for big guys is terrifying. It happens to a lot of dudes. It's not an easy thing to come back from. It seems to be that nobody – in the Grizzlies organization is worried about the long-term effects and that this could be a recurring thing. And I think that that really played into, into his decision to get this surgery in the first place was that if they took care of it, then it wasn't going to be a factor down the road. And I hope that that is the case. Hopefully this is their last run in with Jaron missing a a whole lot of games. Cause you know, eventually, as I said, it's just, you know, he's only played 60 games one time and it's more likely than not that he won't play 60 games again this season. And eventually he's got to be on the floor.
1: Yeah, I just want to say one bright spot, though. I mean, we go back to 2014. Marcus All had that leg injury. He come back 2015. He was in the MVP category. I think he finished top ten. And I mean, look look at his career. In 2019, he wins he wins the championship with the Toronto Raptors. Sadly, he's not with us. So, I mean, we've had a big guy. Our number one franchise guy had a foot of injury, and he came back and had the same amount of success. And that was later in his career, actually in his 30s. So. I know like your body takes a lot a lot longer to heal once you're older but Jaron has youth on his side and as well I've I've seen I'm seeing Jaron jumping up and down inside the crowd with the with his guys and dancing so I think Jaron is becoming more comfortable being on that foot and hopefully yeah we don't see another injury from Jaron because I mean he's a valuable out there on the court.
2: Yeah, I think Jaron's ready to get out there as much as any fan or, or the front front offices. I think he wants to play more than anybody wants to see him play. And it's a great point, Xavier. Like, we, we have no idea if that this injury could have prevented him from a much worse injury later on. And as you said, he's a young kid. He'll bounce back. And, uh, you know, hopefully he is going to be healthy the rest of the way.
1: All right. So we got a new segment, actually a pretty cool segment. This was Mad Idea. College, so to celebrate the college football playoffs, we thought of something, well, Matt thought of something. We're going to each select four NBA teams, like how the college football playoff style is, and name our four NBA championship contenders, two from the Easter Conference and two from the Western Conference. Each week, we're going to tally up and vote to keep up updated throughout the season. So Matt, this was your cool idea, so why don't you take it away? Who you got coming out? Within your first four.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'ma start off by saying I, I did not go two and two. I've got three from the east and one from the west because I okay. think the west is so wide open, and I think that the east is a lot more top-heavy. You know, it, it, if we're sticking with the bit of the college football playoff, like I think three SEC teams could be in the college football Wait playoff. There. And of that, of that same, ilk, I think that the NBA, there are three Eastern Conference teams that I like a lot, and I think that absolutely have a chance. And the West, man, like all the teams that we thought were going to be great coming into this have not been awesome so far. I mean, if the playoffs started a day, um, Golden State wouldn't even be in it. Uh, The Lakers, who, you know, have struggled, but I think people thought we're going to have a better season, wouldn't be in it. There's a lot of teams in the West. And then you look at the top of it, Portland and Utah are right there. And and I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be any good uh, in the off season. And we definitely didn't think that they would be at the top of the West. So I, I, I just, the, the West is so confusing to me right now, but I needed to throw one team in there. Um, so we'll start here with my fourth team, which is my only Western conference team. And that's the Denver nuggets. I love their depth top to bottom. They have the two time back-to-back MVP and Nicole Jokic. I love everything they do. I've, I've always loved that team. They're built really well. Again, a really homegrown team, similar to Memphis they got a ton of skill at the guard and wing positions as well to flank Jokic. The one weak spot that I think they do have is the backup center spot. I don't think DeAndre Jordan should be playing in the NBA anymore. Like, I think we've seen the best of him. Uh, So that's one spot that they could upgrade. But a guy like Michael Porter Jr., he's shooting at 48% from three this year. That's a guy that everybody thought in college and coming into the NBA was going to be a top-level scorer. He's shown that he has that ability. He, similar to Jaron Jackson, like we just talked about, Just needs to stay healthy. Jamal Murray's still coming along. He's going to get healthier and and more comfortable in that offense as well. So I really like the Nuggets, um, and they are are second in the West right now, but they have the same record as Portland. Portland just has the one-game advantage because they beat them the one time they've played so far. So I I think they're right there and can absolutely compete. But the East is just so much more interesting to me. There's a bunch of teams, um, and it's so much more top-heavy, I feel like. It's not as deep as the West. Uh, but there's some really elite talent at the top. So my third team, I have the Celtics, the defending Eastern Conference champs. Jason Tatum has looked like a, an MVP candidate thus far. He looks like he's much improved and is playing really, really good. Uh, we saw him have a great game against Memphis earlier this week, uh, and they have not missed a beat at all when a lot of us were worried about what they were going to look like after uh, Ime Udoka. So I've got Boston at number three. And then. My two spot, I mean, I went back and forth with having Boston uh, at two or three, but Cleveland is my uh, second team. I love how they've looked so far. They are on a bit of a losing streak, but Donovan Mitchell has been much improved. He's played uh, much better on the defensive end uh, than what he showed last year in Utah, and they have two wins over the Celtics. So, again, in keeping with the college football playoff uh, ranking style, uh, the head-to-head, i got to put the Cavs ahead of them, and I love the way that that team is built. They have a bunch of really talented big guys some great wing scoring as well. And then number one, it's easy for me. I'll be, I'll be uh, interested to see if you guys have them there as well, but Milwaukee silently and quietly going about their business, killing teams. They've been without Chris Middleton uh, as well. And and that's a guy who could be a 30 point a game, 28 point a game guy on a really bad team, but because he's on a team with Giannis and drew holiday, he doesn't have that scoring. Uh, the, he doesn't have the scoring outputs that we see in some other uh, number ones across the league. So uh, I really like the Bucs. I think they're going to be my, – that's my pick right now to win the NBA Finals uh, as long as they stay healthy. I love the way that that team's constructed. I think Giannis is on the way, if he hasn't already, of taking the mantle of the best team, uh, best player of this next generation of guys. So that's my top four, Nuggets, Celtics, Cavs, and Bucks.
1: Yeah, I think that the Bucs, <laughs> they're going to show a lot of teams that that they're the elite team in the NBA right now. I mean, 10-2 t- and, 10 not- and two right now. Yeah, being 10-2, yeah. that's a pretty impressive record right now.
2: And not being talked about enough. I mean, it's one of those things where you get, I think, a little bit tired of, of greatness, right? Like, it's kind of the Patrick Mahomes syndrome where people forgot that Patrick Mahomes is still really good because we've seen him be so elite, and he's not getting as much credit this season, even though he should and probably will win the MVP. And people get tired of the same teams being great all the time. It, it happens. It's happened to Golden State. You get the fatigue effect of it, but – they're they're just silently going about their business, man. They're really good. and 7-0 and at home. It's going to be a tough place to play in the playoffs if they do have home court advantage. So they're my number one team by far to win the NBA title right now.
1: Okay. So swinging it to
0: you, Dave, what four teams that you have right now that you feel that's going to be contenders? Man, this is a good category. Matt, when you suggested this, I think – this is gonna be a lot of fun. And just so I'm clear, do the teams get points if we put them on our list and we're gonna have a running tally? Is that how this yeah. is gonna work?
2: Yeah, let's let's just do it like the college football thing, man. We'll 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 uh figure out some kind of system. If we all have the Bucks number one, then they're they're easily number one and we'll we'll see how it looks. We'll we'll get them out there and we'll figure out some kind of system for them.
0: Yeah. Good. And well, and the other thing too, and I I like Colin Coward's show The Herd, and when he does his herd hierarchy, he always says this is not about records, you know, we're not just gonna list the top four records in the league and that's the, the teams that we pick because otherwise that's not really interesting right we want right. to look at where are these teams going to be when it comes to playoff time and who's a real championship contender i thought your list was very interesting mine's a little different i do think number one in the league is the boston celtics because i think that jason tatum right now is just playing a fantastic basketball absolutely love the way he's playing i think they got their scars last year they look confident i, I really enjoyed that game last week against the grizzlies raising Memphis's level of play and yet the Celtics still won the game I really like the way uh Brown and and your favorite Marcus Smart Xavier uh how they complement Tatum from I think a pretty nice coach now we thought they were going to take a step back because of the, the confusion there and some of the upheaval he looks like he's adjusting just fine I think the Celtics look fantastic I have Milwaukee second, and I do think this is a little bit like Alabama-Clemson over the years, where the top of the college football playoff was so top-heavy. I think Boston and Milwaukee are clearly the the two best teams in the league, and will be when we get to May. Number three. So again, I'm not going by records. I'm not going by standings. I think the Golden State Warriors are still number three, because I'm a big believer in star power, and have you done it before? I don't want any part of Steph Curry in a playoff series. They have a lot of talent on that team. They're a smart organization. They've won championships before. They're going to get it figured out. Right now, I think they're still struggling. Are they the old guard? Do they have some of these young kids that maybe haven't gotten their rotation set? I think by the time the spring comes around, they're going to be just fine. And Steph Curry still looks fantastic. I have them three, although a distant three, because, Matt, to your point, the West is is not really defining itself yet, right? How good is Phoenix? How good is Denver? Frankly, how good is Memphis? But to finish my list, I do have the Memphis Grizzlies four because I love the way John Morant is playing. And if we can finally be healthy in the spring, I think the NBA, if you look at the history, it's a league of stars that take their team to the next level. John Morant is very, very special. He's got a lot of nice pieces around him. I still think we're a move away. But that would be my four right now. Interesting, you put Denver. Uh, maybe it's just because I don't like the Joker. I knocked them out. That they're a nice team too, and there's some others. I think this will change as we go forward throughout the season. I really love the segment. So I have Boston, Milwaukee, Golden State, and then Memphis.
1: Nice list, nice list. So yeah, I agree. For number four, I got us the Grizzlies. Like like I said, with the emergence of Jaren coming back, I feel like we're gonna elevate our play. Jaron is our defensive anchor, and I'm not saying it's going to happen right away, but by the end of the season, like you said, Dave, we when we're healthy, we're at our best, and Ja Morant leadership has elevated guys to play at a higher level and play with accountability, and I feel that when you have that, especially a, a leader of Ja Morant, he's going to bring momentum towards Memphis, and guys are going to play at even at a higher level, especially during the playoffs. They want to win. So, yeah, number four, I got the Grizzlies. At number – in my three spot, I I agree with you, Matt. I got the Nuggets. I feel like the Nuggets are just such a great team. They're re- well-rounded everywhere, like you said, except for the backup center position. But Jokic is just – he's amazing, like, how he plays. He's a two-times MVP. doesn't look like he gets tired. He makes the miraculous passes. You got those two guys to compliment him, of Michael Porter Jr. He just shoots every shot whenever, whenever you pass it, but it looks like he does not miss. Um, and then you got a guy that's won a championship behind, uh, beside him, of KCP, who's a great defender as well, a great shooter. And Jamal Murray is getting nothing but healthier and healthier. I think they just need to become more strict on defensive, being defensive, a great defensive team because they have all the offense in the world right now. So Denver has really impressed me. I got them in my third slot. Number two, I have the Cavaliers. Shout out to Darius Garland last night, dropping 51 points. Vanderbilt, stand up. <laughs> a good game. But, yes, I'm loving this backcourt duo of D-Mitch and uh, and Darius Garland. That's a lot of buckets being given. And then they have a twin towers down there, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Not only that, they have Kevin Love coming off the bench. Kevin Love has been a great six-man, and they've created another great uh, wing of Dean Wade. The Cavaliers – I, like I, J.B. J- J- Bickerstaff has done a wonderful job rallying those guys and having those guys play as a unit. They're an elite defense now. And I was we, we, we talked about could Donovan Mitchell be a great leader? Can he be a great defender? And he's showing that right now. It's crazy. You, you switch a man from one culture and put him to another one. He's starting to thrive, and Donovan Mitchell looks like he could be in the MVP category. I know, yeah, like you were saying, Matt, that they're on a losing streak right now, but they're still playing some great ball. They had a they had a tough schedule within the past four four to five games, and then on my number one team, I got the books. Like I said, they're ten and two right now, and they won a game without no Giannis, no Drew Holiday, no Chris Middleton, Javon Carter, former Grizzlies, dropped thirty six points. He stepped up and played a great game, a miraculous game. And I feel like that's a part of their system that um, Budenhoser created. He's a product, like uh, Taylor Jenkins is a product of Budenhoser. Next man up. And I feel like that's that's what Milwaukee's good at. Like, it doesn't matter who's out there on the court. He's going to have the next man to step up. And I'm proud to see, I'm happy to see, yeah, that Milwaukee is actually an elite team right now because I feel like a lot of people forgotten about them last year. And like Matt said, they don't even have their uh, third best player, Chris Middleton. And Chris Middleton is a bucket getter. He's their second best perimeter defender. It's scary to see what is their true potential. Uh, and as well, they got Brooke Lopez back healthy. He's actually in the deep way category. He's averaging basically four blocks a game. And a lot of people feel that Brooke Lopez game has degressed. But he's a great three-point shooter. He's a great win protector. I feel like he's a better he's more important for their defense than Giannis because you look, you go back to last season, the Bucks were a middle of the pack defense. What made them elite and won the championship back in 2021 was Brooke Lopez. So they have a healthy Brooke Lopez. When they get a healthy Chris Middleton, it's just a scary team.
2: Yeah. Brooke Lopez does uh, not get enough credit defensively. Really, really good defender. Um, all right. So it, I just made a quick scoring system. I gave five points if you ranked them number one, four points if you ranked them number two, three points if you ranked them number three, and one point if you ranked them number four. So if we go by that scale, and maybe we can mess around with that a little bit. We have Milwaukee at number one with 14 points. Tied for two and three, we have the Cavs and Boston. So I think we need to make a decision as a group. Do we want the Cavs or do we want Boston at number two for us for the overall rankings? I got the
1: Cavaliers.
2: I, I do as well, and I think if you go with the he- head-to-head, I think that that's the tiebreaker. So the official core four NBA college playoff rankings right now are Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, Denver, and Memphis, which um, is pretty pretty close to what I had already. And if I did, was going to extend it out, I would have had Memphis five anyway. So uh, I think that those are our official rankings right now. We'll, we'll check oh, back man, in. Jason Tatum's looking at you. Tatum, Tatum's <laughs> looking at you. Something head to head. You gotta beat him to be in front of him. So <laughs> right. um yeah, we'll we'll see how the uh the rankings shake out uh as the as the season continues. But those are our rankings right now.
1: I love it. <sighs> All right, jumping into our next segment, our fan favorite, the climbing corners. All right, we're gonna cover specifically the Memphis Hustle and Kenny Lofton. As of right now, Kennedy is down with the hustle, averaging 25.5.7 rebounds. Uh, uh, still in a half a game, but he's averaging six turnovers in a game with his two games played in the G League. It is pretty impressive stats, whether you can say, say it's G League stats or not. So, Dave, oh, with the Grizzlies being ridiculed with the early start with so many injuries, are there any urgencies of calling Kenny, uh, calling Kenny Lofton Oh, to play with the Grizzlies right now?
0: I don't see any urgency in it right now. If if the team was really floundering, you know, three and ten, something like that. But we're off to we're off to a fine start. I was a little frustrated at the Washington game yesterday, but but all all kidding aside, I, I think that they're off to a fine start. I think we're really gonna wait and see once Jaron comes back, once Iyer Williams is integrated again, and once Santi goes back to that second unit, which I believe is what will happen, to see really what this team looks like. And I think it's just fine to get Kenny Lofton all this action down with the hustle. He's playing very well. I'm happy for him. And I think you're seeing like on the other side of it, some of the rookies on, you know, at the Memphis level really struggling from night to night. I, I thought the Ravia and, and Roddy were very inconsistent yesterday in some of their minutes and, and part of me, which is they were down playing with a hustle and just getting, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night and, and building some confidence, but I don't find any, uh, urgency right now Xavier I, I think he's doing great down there and let's just keep getting that experience and that confidence so yeah Matt are you liking what you're seeing from Kenny down there
1: at the hustle or or do you feel that any other rookie from the, the Grizzlies right now should be sent down to the hustle to to, 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 to develop
2: uh that's interesting I hadn't thought about that I I, I don't I don't know. We had talked about it on the last show. I wouldn't mind seeing Roddy go down for a little bit just to build some more confidence. He seems to feel more comfortable playing with the rookies and in garbage time, which that's not what we need from him. We need him to contribute while the games are close and, and and be an effective player for us. Um, I'll be honest. I, I went into this. I've been kind of a Kenny Lofton hater every time that we've talked about him, Xavier, you've been the one kind of carrying the flag for him, but I mean, He's right up there averaging a ton of points like it's undeniable that he is playing well and he's doing exactly what I think everybody expected him to do Um, a couple numbers that I would like to see improve if I was to nitpick was I feel like he can average a double double he's only at the seven rebound number I think that he could get that up and that's something that would tell me that he's just at least um, really hustling doing the, the hard things well. And that's what he would do for the big club is duo is, is be asked to rebound it and be a hustle guy for them. Um, so that, that would be an indicator to me if he gets to that 10 rebound number that he maybe should make the jump up. Uh, and the other number is, is sh- he's shooting the three pointer at 30.8%. If he can hit that at about 35%, that's a huge weapon and, and um, you know, something that could be really helpful to the Grizzlies off the bench. The, the thing is, there's just not a lot of space for them. I feel like on the, on the, uh, big club right now, the move is going to have to be to get rid of Xavier Tillman before uh, Kenny Lofton can come up, in my opinion. Um, that's really where he would kind of fit in and and um, be able to contribute. And even still, then you're looking at, what, seven, eight minutes a game, maybe, especially after Jaron comes back. So I, I'm glad that he's thriving uh, with the Memphis Hustle. Happy for him. He's He is playing well. I, I really wanted to go into it with – saying hey these are g-league numbers but like he's performing well he's playing he's playing um, on par with some guys who have been in the g-league a lot longer than him and have more basketball experience so he's acquitted himself well and eventually i think he is finally going to get a chance to be on the big club whether it be at the end of this year or going into next year but i'm starting to kind of turn a corner on kenny Lofton. i'm not gonna lie
0: (laughs) you know it's funny though it's like a no win right if he goes down to the hustle and stinks like now we got a real problem. But he goes down and he's averaging 25, and people say, well, it's just the, it's just the Memphis hustle. Right. <laughs> he can't win, right? But I, but I, I did want to say, because you mentioned Tillman. So at the game yesterday against the Wizards, in a situation where the Grizzlies were undermanned, I mean, in terms of uh, the injuries and the, and the DNPs, Tillman didn't play. And I thought that was sort of telling. I would have thought that, that would have been a good game to get him some minutes that there should have been minutes available for him. Xavier, is is that an indicator he's not in our plans or maybe something else? Just a one-off, but I didn't like that.
1: Well, I think Taylor Jenkins has really found his rotation with the guys, especially now that so many injuries has been in and out that he can really trust and, with Xavier Tillman is is inconsistency. You don't know if you're going to get a good Xavier Tillman tonight, or you don't know if you're going to get a bad Xavier Tillman. So he has a rotation of guys that he knows that he can trust. So and I don't think he wanted to risk it. I did want to see Xavier out there, especially because I mean, last night it wasn't a, a flow to the game. You you really could have just thrown anybody in there to see, okay, maybe he can provide me some great minutes. Maybe he can Score a few buckets, maybe he can give me a few stops and ignite this team for victory. But I think coming off this season and the season before, then we know what Xavier Tillman is going to give us now, and it's that's inconsistency. We don't know what is he going to bring to us. And I, I mean, I'm 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 sorry to say that, but Xavier Tillman is, and uh, uh, maybe it is time to move on. I know that's Jaron's road dog, and they've been together for so long, but. Xavier Tillman has not grown. And like I said, we got Kenny Lofton down there. He's putting up impressive stats 25 points, seven rebounds, still in the half. That's miraculous. Well, I'm not going to say miraculous. It's, like you said, it's the G League. But it's it's very impressive for a guy that a lot of people had doubts about, wondering if he could actually play NBA basketball ready minutes. And he's playing a heavy amount of minutes. He's being that guy down there. So eventually, like what Matt said, he's going to be on the main roster one day, and whether it's this year or next year, we don't know. But yeah, uh, as far as Xavier Tillman, it seems like he's, his days are getting cut shorter and shorter with the Grizzlies.
2: And I, I think if you if you still look at, I mean, he's still Taylor Jenkins still played nine guys, and that was without Ja, without Desmond Bain, without Jaron, without. Um, Zaire Williams so like I you know if you I like a nine man eight man rotation that's what you're going to get in the playoffs so like I, I have no problem with it it is very telling that they did not play him and as Xavier said that's Jaron's guy I firmly believe that's why he's the only reason he's still on this roster because it just can't be um, from his play at all Uh Dave's <laughs> dog just jumped on the zoom with us um has, you know I got any takes on Xavier Tillman I, I don't think so but she, she wanted to come on and hop yeah. on with us but uh yeah um yeah right. man I, I don't know I'm kind of done with the, the Tillman thing and it seems like he's um definitely on his way out whether that's during the season or afterwards
1: Down to our last segment um so the Grizzlies debuted their new city edition uniforms last Friday against the Wolves, and they got the dub. Now this makes the fourth new city edition Grizzlies uniform. And with this one, it had history behind it that's, that's pretty significant. Dave, I, I, how do you feel that the Grizzlies are now beginning to find their culture and their grounding behind the city of Memphis and now have basically a new appreciation for how the city has a new appreciation for the Grizzlies.
0: Yeah, thanks Xavier, and, and I thought the city editions they wore them Friday night against the Timberwolves. They were fire, right, guys? I'm starting I'm starting to sound like you guys now. You're you're rubbing off on me. I, and and uh, but we weren't the only ones who loved them. In fact, ESPN.com ranked them number one in the recently released city editions throughout the league. So universally, people seem to really like these jerseys because they reflect the city of Memphis and the the connection that this team has with the 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 culture with the energy of the city with the people it's it's really exciting and if you think about professional sports teams that does not always happen there's a reason why larry bird and magic johnson had a great rivalry in the 80s because it really felt like boston versus los angeles magic johnson was la larry bird felt like cold depressing boston and when, when a sports team reflects the city, it is really, really exciting. You know, like, for example, you know, not to pick on the like, Charlotte Hornets, but I don't think anyone's like, oh, that embodies the city of Charlotte, right? So we're, we're pretty lucky to have this team that really feels like Memphis, Tennessee. And if you go back, this really is, in my estimation, Xavier, the fourth era of Grizzlies basketball, the first course being in Vancouver. They come in 2001 to Memphis, and then it was like the Pau Gasol era, where they had some regular season success, but I'm old enough to remember, you know, the 12 straight playoff losses. And it didn't ever feel like we really had a title contending team. And then we were still wearing the colors of the Vancouver Grizzlies. And then when we changed the colors, kind of went with the the Beale Street blue and went into that grit and grind era where we had those playoff runs. We went to the Western finals. And the love of the core four who were named after – it felt finally to me like this was Memphis Grizzlies basketball and it was pretty depressing I thought when oh my god Mike Conley's been traded you know Zebo's not here what are we going to do to ever recapture that feeling because you don't know it might never come back where the team really identifies with the players and with the spirit around the team and although I'm not living in Memphis like you guys are I did go there quite a bit Uh, For work, and I had a real appreciation for the food, the music, the culture, everything, and Memphis's love of basketball. And you see it with the college level too. They love the college team as well, right? So I think it's really, really cool then. The city edition jerseys showcase the M Street Bridge. It just everything from every detail of the jersey, the history of the team to the current city. They're fantastic. ESPN.com loved them. We loved them. And the Memphis Grizzlies to me now fully embody the city with which they represent. We have to appreciate that all the time.
1: Yeah, it's it's really a blessing that we have uh, a team that really embraced the whole culture in the city here in Memphis. I've never imagined anything like that. I mean, being a kid from Memphis, growing up, finally having the Grizzlies to come here and seeing from where we are 22 years ago to where we are now is is pretty remarkable like like he was saying going through the culture of the Paula Gasol era it wasn't anything identified it was just okay we are playing basketball we're good in the regular season to having those guys of Zebo and and Mike Conley and Tony Allen that embraced the city that felt like yes we we're hard working people here in the city of Memphis and we're going to show you why, why we, we play Whoop That Trick when we actually whoop you every single night. And then to now, we have young guys that's actually embracing the city as well, that's show, showcasing their skills and ability. And I feel like those, those jerseys like capture of, of a combination of the youth and then of what the city showcases. And like you were yeah. saying, Dave, this is a basketball city to the extreme I mean basketball has been my forte since I've been born and even going back to my parents I mean my mom she's from Memphis she tells me about all the great basketball players from Memphis from Penny Hardaway to Andre Turner and and so forth so forth even my grandmother can go further to like Keith Lee in his days Uh, Memphis is just a huge basketball city and I'm, I'm happy that we have this Grizzlies uniform in a team that embraces. So yeah, you know, how, how do you feel, Matt?
2: Uh, I was just going through looking while uh Dave was talking. I was looking at all the other ones. I'll be honest, I don't love the new city jerseys. Last year's were just so much better. And I, I get the point of you gotta you gotta have something new every single year, but I didn't like a lot of them. I mean, some of the best ones were stuff where teams brought um old stuff back, like the Phoenix Songs bringing back there, um, the old black ones and stuff like that. But what you guys were saying about um the the whole city buying into the team and stuff like that is it's just it's so uh that this team is so representative of the city as you guys said it's a hard-working city it's a tough city it's a basketball city and it's an entertainment uh, city yeah. um you yeah. know with the with the music aspect of it and just the the culture that is memphis and it really comes down to John Moran. There is no player in the NBA that represents his city and is so closely affiliated and and so identifiable with the city as John Moran is with Memphis. He seems like he's grown up here his whole life. He fits in so well. Right. And um, I think that that's why you get the big buy-in. It's the same thing. It's similar to the grit and grind era, but that was five guys who worked really hard and were tough nosed and Um, that was how they got their buy-in. And the time between the grit and grind era and the John Morant era, they were looking for some kind of identity that entire time. And really what it comes down to is jerseys don't matter if your team's not any good, you know, (laughs) and and that, and that plays a big role in it as well is that the Grizzlies are really good. They're really exciting. They're a national product now because everybody wants to see John Morant. And he is really the one who gets all the credit in the world, Um, for how 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 bought in the city is again you know it is a basketball city they care so much more about Tigers basketball than they do about the football team and that translates to the professional sports as well around here it's the Grizzlies first and foremost at all times Um, so yeah it's awesome to see the buy-in and and you know the the city is very well represented by this team and by the uniforms. And I want to mention that it is not lost on me. People always mention John
0: Moran and Zion Williamson together because of that draft. Zion didn't want to go to New Orleans. And he and his people made it very clear, even after he was drafted there. He played there, the family rumblings about wanting to get out of there, want to go to New York. You never heard that from John Moran. He would embrace the city of Memphis from day one, and that's why the city embraced him back. Is that fair? Because let's I mean, does Zion feel like New Orleans?
1: I mean, of course not. Uh, I know people make the memes and jokes saying like, yeah, Zion is a good fit down there because they got great food." But <laughs> it's, it's it's not to say that, that Zion just totally would look happy when he would, when the Pelicans got the initial first pick. Zion, we knew Zion didn't want to be there, and most likely he wanted to play in a, a huge market. Like, I mean, because of his talents, like L.A., maybe Chicago, New York.
2: Yeah, but, I, I was mean, about-
1: Go ahead. Yeah. Zer, sorry. yeah, no, but like like you were saying, like John Morant immediately, as soon as he got drafted here, he embodied the city of Memphis in an in abrasive from the culture to the food to everything of the, of the swag. It's just so crazy that for us to have a, a athlete in the city of Memphis. I, I've never imagined this having. I mean, I grew up everybody we had Penny Hardaway and he was the only guy in, in the city that had his own shoes. John Moran is about to have his own shoe. And there's, I know it's going to sell out crazy here in Memphis. I know I'm going to give me a pair of those, but it's, 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 it's remarkable. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, John bought in right away. It is, it's really funny to think back to that time period. I mean, I'll like the Knicks were, so much more in the running to get a top one or two pick than the Grizzlies were. Like it was kind yeah. of a surprise that the Grizzlies ended up getting that second pick and it ended up being maybe the best thing that ever happened in the franchise. But like you guys remember like right before that draft, people were putting together pictures of Kyrie, KD and Zion. Like, the Knicks thought they were going to have this completely different path than what they ended up with. It's hilarious to look back and think about now, but yeah. I'd say that Zion feels pretty comfortable now I, I'm really looking forward to this Pelicans game on Tuesday night. Like, that, that team's really interesting to me. Their top five guys, when they're healthy, is going to be a really fun matchup for these Grizzlies. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that game.
0: Isn't it weird, though? Like, guys always want to play in a big market. So let's say Zion goes to the Lakers. He's just another Laker. You know, if, if he goes to Boston, he's just another Celtics. You're never going to go to Chicago when he's bigger than Michael Jordan. So, you know, he could be the king of New Orleans if yeah. he goes and brings a championship to the Pelicans. John Morant, they will name the arena after him and build a statue right if if and when the, he brings the championship hopefully to Memphis I don't understand that Peyton Manning went to the Colts and and, and made him billion dollars and was a hall of famer you know even he played for a small market if you win you get the attention I would want to go to a team that doesn't have a great history of winning and be that guy to change it to me that would be more exciting
1: yeah I think I think that's turning around now you got a lot of talented players on small market teams and we just saw a small market team had the success of Giannis, and he signed that contract and he was remaining loyal to the Bucks. So I think it's more valuable now of the small market teams and you look and see now the big market teams always have the problems, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Knicks has not been relevant since the 2000s. <laughs> so I yeah. don't understand like why people want to go to the Knicks, even the Nets, you, both of the LA teams there. I understand, yes, you have the stars. They have a little bit more money. But the guys that's at the small market value, like, you have loyal fans. A lot of those teams there, they just are bandwagoners. Of course, once they have the big players, they're going to jump on. But these guys here, especially in the city of Memphis, we like basketball, man. If you you feel good hooper, we're going to support you. And especially <laughs> if you embrace the city, oh, yeah, we most definitely going to stand and we're we going to ride behind you. I remember – back in the game against us, against the Temple Wolves, when um, I think Finch had pushed Desmond Bain. Oh, you man. see in the background, everybody stood up like, hold on now. You're not going to touch Bain. You're not going to touch our players like that. We're going to ride for our players. So that's one thing I love about the culture here of Memphis. We're we're going to ride for our city. We're going to ride for our players, and we're going to embrace basketball here. So, all right, you guys, that's the end of the core Four. Be sure to like and subscribe and share to your other friends. Um, so, so Matt, tell the people your socials, man.
2: Yeah, at Matt H. Gill. Um, check me out on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, as Xavier said, check out uh, the Core 4 page as well and the SBN Grizzlies page. Um, got all kinds of great stuff on there.
1: All right, Dave, tell the people with your socials, Where they, where can they find you?
0: yeah just on twitter at dlb19338 and i want to thank both of you because i was pretty depressed after that wizards game yesterday so i'm in a little bit better in mood today appreciate that as
1: <laughs> yeah, always yeah, as always yeah, you can find me on twitter at ZayTime takes and you can find me at tick on my tiktok page for a deeper analysis at underscore XZay. thank you guys for coming out peace stolen by Morant. hammer nailed. This baby is over.